You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. Today we are talking about episode 5 of HBO's The Outsider, called Tear Drinker. As you've probably figured out, I am not Mitch. Um, (laughs) Our fearless leader has unfortunately not been here today because he had to work. He's killing me with this. Boo. Um, We are also missing. We've been abandoned. We've been abandoned and left to our own devices, which has been particularly concerning (laughs) with our technological difficulties. Uh, Devices are exactly the issue. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But uh, we are also unfortunately down john who is sick this morning um although i highly appreciate the fact that he was courteous enough not to give jessica and i a cold yeah that's so great. i i'm i i feel very thankful for that um although he is missed on this episode feel so, better john. right so first off mm-hmm. i am joined by jessica yay and steven that's me and Jessica, what was your overall impression of this fifth episode? How'd you feel? I liked this episode and it had suspenseful moments, but it definitely felt like it was long. Like, okay. I know it wasn't any different time length or anything. It just felt like a slower paced episode, kind of sort of like a filler or like a build up episode, I guess. Okay. All right. Yeah. I like it. Steven, how about you? So I, I feel the exact same about like the story content of the episode, but I really liked the direction of this one. They played a lot with uh, depth of field, like foreground and background going in and out of focus and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, whoever directed the episode or whoever the DP was, like they did a good job. Awesome, yeah. No, so I'm I'm kind of with you both. I I liked the fact that it was slower paced, mostly because it felt like. A thinking episode, which is really what was occurring in this episode, is a lot of it was just about the mind processing of of what's occurring, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of the characters coming to the realization. I think that rational explanations are no longer valid for this because there's literally no rational explanation. So I kind of felt like it was an intentional slowdown because if we were in that situation it would take us a while to kind of comprehend what our new reality is and that supernatural things are real and whether or not we're willing to accept that. Yeah. So, but before we get into the episode, we need to do our week's watch. So Jessica, what is your week's watch this week? I have been watching with my mother a British mystery series called Shetland. Okay. Which it takes place on the island of Shetland, which is just off of Scotland. Um, and it's it's not like one of those like sort of chintzy cheesy British crime dramas. It's a, it's a more serious one, um, kind of sort of along the lines of Broadchurch with David Tennant. And um, it follows Detective Perez on this island solving, solving these horrible, gruesome murder mysteries. Um, most of them take like at least two episodes within the series, but this last like I think two series, which I think I just watched series five, which is I mean their version of seasons basically. Yeah. Um, and that took like six episodes to solve this one human trafficking mystery. Um, it's probably one of my favorites because I can't like I can't solve it before Detective Perez does. Like I seem to like figure it out right as he does, and I yeah. always find that refreshing in any mystery shows because I I watch so many and I read so many and I've even written a few that it's like kind of like 
yeah, that's that's the bad guy, like within five minutes of the show. So it's 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 always I'm always like if I can't figure it out, then I'm like, oh, you you got to be an amazing like writer right there. So but yeah, Shetland and I watch it on BritBox, but okay. I think you can find some of it on Netflix. I don't think all of it is on Netflix, but you, you can find some of the series. And does it take place like now, Victorian <laughs> England? Like, it what takes we... place now. OK, so you're dealing with situations that currently happen like this last series with the human trafficking thing was very pretty, timely yeah very timely <laughs> very so, depressing too but <laughs> very good it, with the the name of the place um it's a very odd name shetland. for shetland um because if if you expected someone from ireland to say the word shit i feel like it would come it's out not I, it's not ireland it's scotland you can't mix scotland. those two yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry don't mess sorry. that up if, if they started from scotland i think this applies to both um, they would say something like shit. Shetland. Shetland. <laughs> I just keep thinking of Shetland ponies, so. <laughs> Which are, are cute and adorable, so I'm like, it's a murder mystery about an adorable pony? Like, <laughs> nope, it's it's an island off of Scotland. Very gorgeous, yeah. small yeah. island, sees the northern lights. Very, very beautiful. Very, very cold. Awesome. Very, very cold. <laughs> But okay, so that was on <laughs> BritBox or on Netflix. Yes, excellent, excellent. And Stephen, what was your week's watch? Uh, so last night, I I was fortunate enough that I got to go to um, one of the bigger screenings for uh, Birds of Prey, and that was awesome. I enjoyed that movie so much more than I expected to. Um, when the first trailer came out, one of the first things that I said in response to it in the theater when I first saw it uh, was. Am I gonna like this movie? Is it? Is this movie gonna be great? <laughs> it, it, it looks so much like Suicide Squad that I'm afraid to go see it. <laughs> yeah, I, and I don't blame you. Suicide Squad, awful movie. Oh yeah. Uh, but no, like, um, there's just there's just so much in it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's still not like you're not going out and like watching it like, oh my god, the story. Like, uh, there was so much, so much meaning, so much power. But it's a, it's a good time. Which is the best that a DC movie can hope for right now, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I went and watched it on Thursday and I saw Suicide Squad and I did not care for it. Um, <laughs> and I was not excited about this movie. I was with you. I was like, I was like, mm, I don't have high hopes, but I was actually really, I was pleasantly surprised. I was told that it was supposed to be essentially DC's attempt at a Deadpool movie. Okay. Which is fair. And that even though it was directed by a female director, and I think the storyline she put together was was fantastic, for the fight scenes, they brought in the director of Deadpool 2 to choreograph the fight scenes. Mm. Um, it shows. Yeah. And that's definitely where I felt the most Deadpool connection. I love me a good mm -hmm. fight choreography scene. So, so yeah, no, it was, it was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was, I, it was a little too gritty for me i mean i think they did overall a very good balancing of it but i could have done mm. without the face peeling Ooh, yeah. face peeling i could have something you see every day i could have done without <laughs> is that. hannibal lecter there or something <laughs> kind of like but yeah i just i was like i was like that's that's not something i needed <laughs> for yeah, this movie that, it, it was a little much at times that and then like especially some of the the parts that were basically combat stuff that were played for laughs those things were like it was a little much yeah um, but that's a little much that i like as opposed to the like <laughs> almost horror filmy feel <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that we talked about um before the recording of this episode was the fact that even though those parts got a little bit like uh, like thumbing your nose kind of like edgy gritty um for the rest of the movie like the actual plot the like one of the things that I didn't like for the movie was that pretty much every line of dialogue had at least one fuck in it. Yeah, well, that's kind of excessive. It, yeah, it is. It's a little bit much. Like it, it felt like a solid like someone who likes Invader Zim but turned sixteen kind of script writing <laughs> at times oh. for that. Um, but other than that, like I is it's a good movie throughout. I, there's there's a lot of fun stuff. There are things that are certainly playing into tropes for something that's like bad guy heist kind of thing but all in all i think it's it's a solid tank girl movie okay. and that's fair and i think i think they actually did a very good job of writing the female characters so like mm -hmm. one of my biggest problems in suicide squad was like they hate each other at the beginning and then like 
in 10 minutes, all of a sudden they're a team. And yeah. they care about each other and they're as close as family and they're making sacrifices for each other. And I'm like, that's not how that works. No, like teams don't just like, even if you hate somebody, but you have agreed that you have a common goal, common enemy. And so you're going to work together. Like mm-hmm. you don't trust that person. Yeah. You don't care about that person's well-being. You're using them. And that's you know, like, you know, it's, it's, you're mutually useful to each other. It takes a long time to build up to wanting to sacrifice yourself Exactly. For a group of people. So, it just wasn't a long enough time. Correct. So I think this does a much better job of showing the building of those kind of team dynamics, particularly for people who are used to just caring about themselves, their mission, their goals, their interests. Okay. Mm. Aren't team people. So I, I think it does a, a very good job about that. And I think it does a really good job of an empowering movie that's not about general female empowerment if that makes mm-hmm. sense like, yeah, like it, the, the same the same things could be applied to anyone who's been like shoved down right okay, right it's it, it's a general emancipation film like and it could be a teenage boy getting out from under you know abusive parents it could be mm-hmm. a woman getting out from an abusive relationship it could be, i mean it could literally be anybody and so it's not like in your face beat down the patriarchy kind no. of sort of female yeah. forward movie okay that's yeah ab- about the closest you get is you know like the they shouldn't be just afraid of the big bad guys they should be afraid of us crazy ladies as well i mean, like, I mean that's true yeah that's that's as close as you get to take down the patriarchy in this movie so which is really nice to me because while i appreciate those kinds of take down the patriarchy movies mm-hmm. i don't necessarily need it to be in your face to be it to have it be a powerful female movie. See, I always think it's better if it's not in your face, that it makes more of an impact if it's not as straightforward, if it's more realistic to the representation of how we women, feminist women actually are, as opposed to being super duper suffragette, like in your face. (laughs) I I would agree. I, I, I like when it's, it's something that's in there um, and not necessarily like the point of the whole story Mm -hmm. not because i have any issues with this like i'm 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 a feminist like yeah that's some people like i I don't understand why anyone thinks that's like a bad thing i I don't understand the negative connotation the word gets but um like it it, when something is in there but it's not the like the outside part of it like it's not the candy shelf for the m&m you know yeah i think that's that's how you make that be uh taken in by people who would otherwise be opposed to that message and so to have it be the outside of things for any kind of story any, mm-hmm. anything that's trying to do anything if that's just what you're presenting from the outset people are turned off to it yeah yeah no i, I, I think it's completely fair so birds of prey worth good the watch movie. go watch it steven says it's 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 a good movie um and that's out in theaters now so find it at your local theater spend a ridiculous yeah. amount of money on popcorn it's fine but, but if you're if you're choosing which sit down and eat theater to go to don't uh-huh. go to what is it roadhouse cinemas is what you went to just go to alamo roadhouse right. cinemas sucks alamo is alamo is the best i i'm obsessed with alamo it's fine yeah they're great um, okay, so my week's watch this week is uh, Lost in Space, season two. Ooh. So I actually I did not watch season one, um, and I kind of didn't realize that I was starting with season two. Did you just like a couple episodes in? Go over Lost in Space, and Netflix was like, clearly you need to start on season two, and just started you there? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> oh. I, I don't know. No, I think it was more of like... Um, because obviously Mitch and I share uh, a Netflix, so he had watched season one. Oh. So I think it was so just I thought like you were Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix thought I was Mitch and was like, "Here, start with season two. And then I'm watching it, and I'm like, "I'm missing something." But <laughs> something to their credit, though, it wasn't the it, the experience wasn't like taken out of the knees because you hadn't watched the first season. So no, that's yeah, that like I good. just I assumed like I was being like thrown in, and I would get backstory as it went, and then I started like they started talking about events that had occurred and i was like wait that doesn't make sense it should be a flashback if like i haven't seen it and then that's when mitch is like you you were watching season two (laughs) (laughs) um but so i actually really enjoy it i think they write the characters very well all of the different types of characters you get a 
what's nice is, is you don't have all the same type of male characters. You don't have all the same type of female characters. Mm -hmm. Like they actually mix it up. Um, and they do a really good job, I think, of writing children characters, um, particularly, you know, cause like you've got 10 and 13 and like to most of us, it's like, oh, that's only three years, but like there's a big Dude. difference between a 10 year old yeah. and a 13 year old. Like there's a huge, huge amount of difference. It's called hormones. <laughs> yeah. It's called puberty. Um, <laughs> so I think they do a really good job of kind of showing those distinctions, um, and, what I really like is, is like the whole family, the Robinson family mm-hmm. are the protagonist. And so like each episode, at least in the season is like not focused on the same person. Okay. That's so nice. like, you know, one episode will be about Judy and one episode will be about Maureen and one episode will be about, you know, Will and one episode, you know, like, so it, it, it's a nice mix and match that way. So I'm not following just one person's story mm. and everybody else is just kind of there. Right. Yeah. I got through like half of the first season and then like, like I enjoyed it, but then life happened and then other shows happened. And then also when you choose to watch a series with your mom and you got to try <laughs> to figure out the schedules and you just know you, you can't finish it without her because it's an utter betrayal of the heart. <laughs> so you're you're a good person for not doing that. I've had look my the person that I've dated most recently, not currently, did that to me on a show that we're supposed <gasps> to be watching together, and she's a butthole and a half for it. Oh, crazy how we're not together anymore. <laughs> that was it, wasn't that it, Stephen? That true. that was your breaking point. Like you you were done there. <laughs> you came home to her watching the last episode of some series and just. <laughs> It's, it's basically I, I cheating. <laughs> Every, everything went red and I had moved out and yep. I changed my Facebook status. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Lost in Space is on Netflix. Um, I think I do probably need to go back and watch the first season. But I am thoroughly enjoying the second season without knowing anything that's going on. So <laughs> well worth the watch. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and get into this episode of The Outsider. So I'm going to do my best to kind of go through the episode. I find this very hard because obviously there are multiple storylines running along and there are flashbacky things and nothing is in the right order. But so stop me somebody if I do not have this in the right order. But yeah. we start I think, out- I, Speaking as a person who's heard you do this timeline, I think it's great. Okay, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> we start out with what has become the standard opening for this series, I feel like, in that we watch a brand new character we know nothing about die. <laughs> yeah, just pretty much. It's, that's it's like, just all the cold openings <laughs> right out the gate. <laughs> yeah, like right out the gate. It's like, here's a new person you've never seen, and here's how they die. Not <laughs> even. You just like you heard how they died and then you saw their dead body which i thought was so always like that so we get introduced to a new male character he gets shot we hear it we hear cops shoot him we hear trains in the background traffic Mm -hmm. we hear people trying to talk him down i quite enjoyed yeah that because even though it was just audio i could perfectly picture the situation yeah yeah so and then we my my, com- my commentary in that moment was they saved so much money by doing this audio part instead. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Um, so they so they shoot him and then we flash to his body in the crime mm-hmm. scene and he has the same rash that uh, the angry detect- drunk cop has. <laughs> yeah, Jake I think is yeah. his name. The, the, so we'll we'll, we'll just call him Grumpy, Grumpy Cop. cop. <laughs> He's gonna be Grumpy Cop from now on. Uh, the same rash that Grumpy Cop has. Um, <laughs> And the police notice it and are like, um, what, who, I like the way that they phrase it as much as I hate Stephen King's writing. But the question is not who did this to him or what is it? What did this to him? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like you get definitely the feel of like, it's a what, not a who. Mm -hmm. So that's the cold opening. How did this to him? How did this to, <laughs> why did this to him? <laughs> so then we flash to our real opening, which is Holly sitting at that bar talking to the same blonde bartender in Sky. What, we got a name Sky, for her. Sky. We did, we did. Her name is Sky. How refreshing. And this so is beautiful. like the ultimate to me of like weird conversations and like 
done customer service, but like, I'm definitely a suspicious person. So like, when this conversation goes the way it goes, I like there are definitely points where I was like, I'd, I'd have stopped talking to you. Like, I'd have been done. I'd have been like, now, who see, are you? What are you doing? What I, do you want? I'd be the opposite. I'd be intrigued and I'd be like writing notes and being like, all right, it's going to make a good story one of these days. <laughs> so you'd be Sky. I'd be Sky. <laughs> but so Holly starts out by asking Sky who the boogeyman was when she was a child, which is just a very like, specific question. <laughs> right. Very. A very specific question. A very odd question. And the part that I didn't understand is. I thought, because at the end of the last episode, she had been talking to Skye before she went to find out about the Baba Yaga. At least I thought that's what was occurring. But I think the mm-hmm. timeline got screwed up. Um, And so I guess she's back in Dayton and this is taking place in Dayton. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, because you said right before that she went back to Dayton. Yeah, so she's back in Dayton is is clearly what's occurring. And so she asks the bartender about the boogeyman. And then they get into the conversation of like, well, let's presume the grief eater is real. Like, where would the grief eater go to eat and drink? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you drink souls. Um, and the bartender like gets it, like jumps on this crazy train, like full As force. One does. <laughs> yeah. Jumps on the crazy train and is like, okay, um, well, a funeral home. Like that's got to be it's got to be a feast. That's that was one of those things in this episode that like kind of like is disturbing. Like talking about graveyards and cemeteries and things as feasts. I was like, well, if you're a grief eater, like where do you grieve the most as a person? So. True. So they decide funeral homes too impersonal. So then they end up at graveyard, and she offers Sky two hundred bucks to drive her around Dayton looking at graveyards the next not, day. Not a lot of money for not a bartender. for a bartender, yeah. And not nearly <laughs> enough money to get in a car with a strange person that you don't know <laughs> to go to cemeteries. I don't think it was the money. I think it was the. I gotta know more about this situation. Well, yeah. But when she says, you know, Sky asks her, like, oh, what do you, like, what do you do for a living? And she says, I'm a private investigator. And Sky goes, a private investigator of paranormal activity? Mm -hmm. And Holly, like, shuts that down. And I'm like, yeah, see, that would be. (laughs) That would be the thing where I was like, this does not add up. Like, you must be a serial killer because this does not add up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I immediately, like, I constantly jump to people are serial killers it's fine um it's probably not healthy but anyway so we cut from holly keeps you alive (laughs) it does we cut from holly to grumpy cop jake in the forest screaming at the grief eater because the grief eater destroyed a lamp that he brought him yeah because he didn't (laughs) like the lamp for his decor it did not match his decorum are you allergic to plastic Yeah, and one of the things that I thought was really um, insightful was he's like, because I don't want to upset you again. And like he's he makes it sound like he's egging him on. But he also you can clearly see the fear on his face. Yeah. Of like, no, really, I don't want to piss you off again because I have no idea what's going on. This was an interesting one, I think, for this, this character in general. I think we saw a lot more fleshing out of this character like in this particular scene not as much but later on yeah um like i was like they they did do a turn on this guy yeah they did well also you kind of know which it happens later on in the episode where you meet the guy from the beginning and holly meets him and you kind of sort of see a sort of defeated kind of sort of person and i'm wondering if that's what's slowly happening to yeah grumpy cop is he slowly like (laughs) Like it almost like his soul's getting drained or something along the lines of that or like slowly being yeah because I mean to nothing to even in this scene he tells him you know he tells the grief eater to tell him what's going on or to kill him because he's ready yeah he's he's ready to die um and so we then from there flash to Ralph's wife Jeannie. Who we learn in this episode is either like a probation officer or a social worker or drug court of some kind. Yeah. Um, and 
We're at her office. And there is a very creepy man in a hoodie. And Surprise. she she very clearly gets like uncomfortable vibes, yeah. like very not okay vibes. And again, this is just me being me. I'm like, I'm like, and that's when you call the yeah. cops. And yeah. like, <laughs> that's when you call the cops or like be like, hey, check out that person or you like know? aware somebody else of the situation. Because yeah, like, I mean, because you can kind of see like when she first spots him that she's like, Hmm, but it's not till like the second or third time that she's like, okay, I need to do something about this. And I was like, nope, I would have been like the first time. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> like, because like, here's my thing. Like, I, I get that implicit bias is is really a thing. It's really a problem, particularly, you know, it's a systematic issue in mm-hmm. in society and in our the structures of our society, particularly when it comes to courts and police force. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you as an individual get a gut reaction a creepy feeling instinct that can't be explained yeah like there's there's probably a reason for that like mm-hmm. it keeps you alive it does like is, is it weird that in society people react to a dog just responding to a person and saying like no i don't like this person way more than they do for people exactly yeah like, yeah. like if- I've, I've i've been ridiculed for like being in a creepy situation, I got myself out of it. And later on, I was ridiculed for finding it to be a creepy situation. And I was like, but I, in my gut, felt like it was, you know, I was being hit on by a guy and I just felt wrong. And then when I went to like talk to other people about it, they're like, well, what if he was just like legit? And I was like, but I had that gut feeling. And even also, if he was like, legit, why shouldn't I, why should I test the field to see if I yeah. don't know, like, oh, maybe no. he is just a nice guy. Like, there, there's an entire history of, of men doing plenty of bad things. Yeah. Sorry, guys. We don't get that kind of chance. Like, yeah. I, like right. plenty of people have, have done awful things based on that idea of trust. We lost that trust. Yeah. It's earned. Yeah. Not given. But so <laughs> anyway, we, we digress. We digress because this is not a TV show. But in any case, she ignores that gut feeling, which drives me crazy. But she ignores that gut feeling for a while. And then she's like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to like casually tell everybody they have to take off their hoods. And then he doesn't. And so we get this like real suspenseful music like, and oh all God. of the buildup. And she like shakes him. And it turns out that he's a guy who's asleep. But I don't quite buy that. No, it wasn't the guy. I, I feel like it wasn't the same guy. I feel like he had left once he noticed that she had noticed him. I feel like the melty face guy had left. Well, did the melty face guy leave? Or is it perhaps that she was sensing the grief eater and this other guy is another grumpy cop? Like, what What if this grief eater has more than one person? And so she's sensing I mean- the grief eater on him. I think they have to have more than one person because it seems like the timeline of the other person who's killed in the beginning of the episode and currently with the grumpy cop, like they have to have more than one of these people. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering if that's what she's feeling. Like I'm wondering if she's sensing that and this guy passed out because we don't really know. Like we know that grumpy cop goes into States because even he says it in the, the scene before this when he's yelling at the guy that he doesn't have control doesn't know what he's doing mm-hmm. um so but we don't know what happens between those switches That's true. so maybe you know it's just so exhausting that you pass out it's certainly a possibility yeah so but so genie goes home and she's like okay i need to go i i need to lay down i need to i need to take a nap i'm done i need to take a nap um and then at some point in the middle of the night, she has a quote unquote nightmare. Now, what happens is she gets up to get a glass of water in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. She walks into the dining room and she drops the glass because somebody's in the dining room and it, it's yeah, it's the hoodie man, melty face. <laughs> it's the hoodie man, the hoodie, hoodie man. man, melty <laughs> face, the grief eater, all those all those things, terror drinker. Yeah, tear drinker, what have you. Um, Baba Yaga. So, Baba Yaga. Uh, so she... <laughs> so Melty Face Man tells her to sit down. So she walks over the broken glass it's without like, so much as flinching. Yeah, she, she has to be in sort of, sort of like crazy trap or trance, I, I feel like. there's Yeah, he's got to like... The, the Melty Face Man, the grief eater, has to have some sort of like mind control something. Because she goes Agreed. and she, she sits down 
and he tells her that she needs to have she needs to convince Ralph to stop mm-hmm. or if she doesn't they will both die like because he starts well he starts by saying that Ralph will die and then when he realizes that's not sufficient to make her do anything <coughs> he threatens both of them so um, there was a part in there where when he spoke I thought so they're obviously like modulating the voice yeah, for the person yeah. so it sounds different but there was also a part at some point in this episode, and I suppose it has to be in this scene, because I think this is the only time we heard them talk. Yeah. yeah. Um, where it sounded a little bit like Ben Mendelsohn's voice, because Ben Mendelsohn mm. has a very specific voice. Mm. Um, so I'm wondering if he's in the middle of transitioning into looking like Ben Mendelsohn's character. That's quite possible. Yeah. No, and I mean, this is quite honestly the first time we've heard him talk, I think, in the entire series. I don't think we've heard the Melty Face Man talk before. <clears throat> no, I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the very first time. Um, so, well, I mean, aside from when we know that they were being Terry, correct? Yeah, yeah, correct. But like, as the melty face, as the hooded figure, as we've never heard them speak. So yeah. it could be it could be that they're transitioning into Ben Mendelsohn's character. So she then we then flash to the morning. And Ralph wakes up and he sees the trail of blood and he realizes that she had gone back to bed with a bloody foot. Like she didn't clean it up. She didn't do anything. And he asks her what happened. And like, I got the impression that he was like concerned she'd been drinking. Like that was my first thought is what was going through his head. But um, she doesn't want to fess up to it. She doesn't want to fess up. She doesn't want to fess up. And then she tells him like she finally opens up and I'm like, finally, like you. You have to share these things. Mm-hmm. And he brushes it off as a nightmare. Just you were sleepwalking. We find out that, you know, she had had serious sleepwalking issues when they had put her on some combination of antidepressants, which, you know, it's made me feel good to be on a combination of antidepressants. <laughs> made me feel yeah, so good. No. Yeah. Um, I always get a little hesitant doctor. when doctors are like, here, have an entire cocktail of things. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not how medication <laughs> works, especially antidepressants. Oh, they're so hard on your brain. I don't know what kind of yeah, whack I, job I, I, doctor is she on. But um, so. And apparently she still has sleepwalking issues now. So he chalks it all up to sleepwalking and Jessa, Terry's do- youngest daughter, telling her about the melty face man. Mm-hmm. And that's that's all that. But yeah. so then she draws him. And what she draws is, in my opinion, a better version of exactly what the kid with the van drew. Yep. <clears throat> melty face so. man in a hood. Yeah. And Stephen, you you had like said you wanted to unpack some of that um, and her nightmare earlier. So I, I don't know if there's anything to it in a bigger way, um, but I there's in, in the past episodes, we've seen them talking about how to talk to a person about bad dreams, which is what he's treating this as. Um, yeah. He said before that the way that you like depower a dream basically is by treating it as like uh, a possibility of being real and then dismissing it for like reasons that make sense if it is real. Yeah. In this one, we see him do the exact opposite of that. Yeah, that where he, kind he, of he tries to explain me. it away. Yeah, and I think I have two kind of theories because I was with you. I was like, this is odd. Yeah. But I, I guess it's one of two things. Like surface level, my initial thought was obviously like, well. We presume that adults are more capable of rationalization and accepting things as nightmares than kids are. Mm-hmm. So we just t- we just talk to adults in rational terms. <coughs> we don't allow any of it to be a thing. But on the other hand, adults are also much better at hyper-rationalization than yeah. children are. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if... Ralph is almost preemptively hyper-rationalizing in an effort to stave off guilt. Because I think he knows he's not going to give it up no matter the risks, no matter what. Yeah. But he's concerned if he doesn't hyper-rationalize, if he doesn't explain away this warning, this Mm -hmm. quote-unquote warning or threat, that if something happens to Jeannie, it's going to be his fault. And I think he's like trying to preemptively like, protect himself from that kind of grief or guilt yeah because we also learn like in this exchange that 
because in a flashback that he wasn't present when their son died. Yeah, and even when he was was present, he really wasn't good at dealing with. That's just not what you say to a woman when she's grieving a child loss. It's just (laughs) you don't tell her to like get over it. Like pull yourself together. You Um, pull yourself together. Um, are you freaking kidding? You know, that's not something you pull yourself together from. Yeah. Um, that's like telling a woman, you know, don't be mad. Like, Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Um, but so Ralph does something surprising in the next scene. He actually shows that picture to the forensic investigator, mm-hmm. his friend, as they're driving. And I I appreciated that the investigator talked about his great grandmother and a dream in Vietnam. And he's like, look, dreams are warnings. Like he doesn't, he doesn't say that it's real. He doesn't admit to it being real, but he's like, but Hey, if she's dreaming it, something else is going on. I mean, dreams are your subconscious Mm -hmm. trying to tell you, Hey, maybe you should have paid attention to this feeling you got so you know he's basically like telling ralph like don't write it off like there's something else going on Mm -hmm. um which i really appreciated because i felt like that was probably the most the most realistic and rational response to something like that like when you have those kinds of vivid dreams like or when somebody else does that's to me the best way to handle it is like maybe it maybe it is real maybe it wasn't a dream Mm -hmm. but even if it was a dream let's say it's a dream then it's trying to tell you something else. Yeah. What could it be? There, there is a reason why the origins of psychology and sociology started through dream theory and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's branched off from those original ideas. So, yeah. so then we flash back to Holly, and Holly is touring cemeteries. Well, first she goes to Hofstetter. So he was the. Um, gentleman in Dayton who slit his own throat in prison because he had been accused of killing the two girls. Yep. And mm-hmm. he was the night nurse at Peter Maitland's um, nursing home. Interacted with Maitland. And- Interacted with Terry Maitland. So she goes to his house and it's all boarded up. It's got all the child killer, you know, all those awful things. And she essentially breaks into this house and she finds that the bed has been made. Even though there's no mattress on it. The box springs have been made. We learn that later on, that the box springs have been made up. And she gets this, there's some sort of wind airflow, something that occurs when she opens a closet, yeah, which is very creepy. And again, that's one of those things that I'm like, I would not be going into that house by myself. Like, it should not be happening. (laughs) (laughs) I am far too, like, overly cautious when it comes to that stuff. But... So she leaves the house safely and they go to the cemetery where the girls and their family is buried. And she notices that just on the other side of their graves is an abandoned, it looks like a junkyard, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And so then she goes to Hofstetter's grave and she finds an abandoned power plant just off of his. And then she runs into, and we finally get introduced, sort of, to the gentleman in the cold opening. He is at Hofstetter's grave when she turns back around. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't say anything to her initially. She keeps trying to strike up a conversation. And you can definitely see how awkward she is with new people um, in that one-sided conversation where she kind of gives too much information. Yeah. Um, If Holly was questioning me like that in the middle of cemetery, I think I would have been like, uh, bye. Like... She, she comes on a little strong. She's like, yeah. especially when her lie is always like, oh, my friend told me to go visit right. this grave. And I've been like, mm. I would have been like, what friend? What's his name? Yeah. Where does he live right now? Like, <laughs> Who is he? What is Who he is he? Yeah. So one, of the, one of the things I've always thought was odd about the way that she talks to a person when she kind of does this whole like oversharing, over explaining thing is that I, I feel like she has to be somehow like intuiting what this person will accept as far as like an explanation for something at face value because of some meaning to them. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cause I mean, if you're, if you're going to lie, the more details that you give, the better. True. But I was, I feel like she didn't give quite enough details to set the lie. Yeah. But in any case, he says, (coughs) 
as he's walking away, he basically says, he did this to them. He did this to me. Yeah. Um, he said he, he fucked us over? Or, yeah, he fucked us over. He fucked us yeah. over. He fucked them over. He fucked me over. Um, Which is really odd considering, um, like, what, what that could possibly mean. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, isn't there also something else in the episode where they say that there was someone who helped in the killing or something? I, am I misremembering something? Oh, when she yeah. talked about it's later on when she's talking with the prince character with, yeah. about <laughs> the, prince Charming. the the bed being yes. made. She talks about how when you see stuff like that, it's like somebody did it through it's remorse. guilt. It's through remorse, which and she talked about a former murder case that she had done where she found out that it was somebody closer to the character because of how the body was laid out, which, yeah, is the number one thing. When you see caring towards the situation, that usually means there is guilt and remorse and that there is another person there. Yeah. So I, was, I was wondering if got the in some way, shape, or form, uh, maybe the, the what, what are we calling a Melty face man? Um, Melty face, yeah. Uh, Maybe Melty Face, like he's changed his techniques a little bit over time. Like he's refining his whole yeah. thing. And so okay. I think this new this new situation where it's kind of apart because people are starting to put it together mm-hmm. might have been him changing a technique and making a little bit of a misstep in that. That's a good possibility. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he he utilized the person that he gives these like this neck rash thing to uh, in a different way to make them do a little bit more. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. But yeah, so um, we then, so she then calls Ralph, who, you know, because um, Ralph had been sticking up for her with uh, the defense attorney, Howard. Um, yeah. Because Howard's like, what is she doing back in Dayton? Like, what's going on? And she's not telling anybody anything. And so she asks Ralph to go to Terry Maitland's gravesite mm-hmm. and to take photos of the gravesite and everything around it. And he is like, okay, you got to give me something. You got to. And she's like, it may not be anything and it'll sound crazy right now. So just, do, just yeah. do me the favor. And you can definitely tell that Ralph's like, yeah, I'm afraid it's going to sound crazy and I'm afraid I'm going to believe the crazy. Um, and then he agrees to go. And he brings his wife, Jeannie, talks him into asking Maitland's wife, Glory, Gloria, for permission to, because she's like, she'll be more pissed if you just like show up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we come to find out, so towards the end of the, well, the, the last part of the episode, mm-hmm. they are at Terry Maitland's gravesite and they which turn is a around. Civil War gravesite. Which is a Civil War gravesite because that's where all of his family is mm-hmm. buried. And we turn around and the in the uh, the barn. The investigator yeah. points out the fact that that's the barn. Yep. That's the barn where he was found. Or his clothes were found. His clothes were found. Yeah. Terry Maitland's clothes were found. With the weird ooey gooey stuff that yep. we never got back on what that was. <laughs> so then we flash to the female detective's baby shower. And we go to the baby shower and Ralph tries to talk to Grumpy Cop. Because Grumpy Cop's the one who went to the barn. And mm-hmm. he's like, hey, what's you know going on? And Grumpy Cop loses it. it just loses his shit. And so the female detective comes in and she's, you know, she's like, here, hold my baby, because that'll defuse situations. And he doesn't want to. And it really offends her. It really pisses her off. There's Which, clearly more of a history with them, either as friends yeah. or partners or I have no idea what. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I figured well, he's, maybe he's, a previous I, relationship, like not like a deep, deep relationship, but maybe they dated once before she met her husband or something. That's what yeah. it was kind of going on. I kind of got I, the, I, go ahead. And I was going to say, I, I agree, because the specific comment that he said about liking her, he's drunk all, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, possibly. I went along the lines of, because I felt that was just like a defensive mechanism of, I, I like everybody better when I'm drunk kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But fair. I think she was his partner when he was getting divorced, because we do find out that he's, you know, mm. been recently divorced. And I think that she's probably 
Because clearly he and Ralph don't get along. Yeah. So, and it's clearly a, pa- a small precinct. So I wonder if like she's the only one that really kind of puts up with him and is there for him. Because then he mentions, you know, because she's like, well, why the hell didn't you want to hold my baby? Because like, I'm a, I'm personally offended, which eh. I don't get. And, and it's one of those things, Jessica and I went on a rant about this before recording, about the fact that like, if people don't want to hold your baby, don't, don't make, make them, them hold, hold your baby. baby. And don't Yeah, but that's everyone with a baby, though. They're always like, here, hold my baby. Or they're super weird about it. And like, no one can touch my damn baby. See, See and I'm, I'm, no I'm more of that one. Like, I won't. Like offer up my baby to someone, I guess outside of family, like unless they directly ask me. I I feel like that's how I would yeah be like. I, I want somebody that wants to hold my baby. Like yeah. See, and I guess I would do I, I the way I tend to phrase it is is uh, like, hey, do you want to hold my baby? Yeah. Like, is that something you'd be interested? And in? And if you say no, nope, then you then don't give consent to then I holding don't. another person and then yeah. therefore that is it that is the end of the situation <laughs> done but anyway yeah, like again she gets to point where she, she, like I, I don't want to go off a tangent but she gets crazy like she does was good dialogue she's and, like why would you want to hold my goddamn baby I know and, and my other point I was chill, like dude. you know this person is an angry junk person like why are you gonna push <laughs> it like yeah, yeah. Um, if it was like your sister not wanting to hold your baby then yeah sure maybe be a little upset about it but like if it's that <laughs> drunk angry grumpy cop like why would you push yeah. see but like, it's not like he, he's like i don't want to touch your dirty baby like he's like like he doesn't say anything like he's just like i don't want to hold your baby dude. yeah but like so my thing is is like yes it sounds like it's bad writing but quite honestly that's the way the conversation often goes when somebody says that they don't want to hold the baby particularly if that person's female like i have been in situations on more than one occasion where somebody just doesn't like kids doesn't like babies mm-hmm. doesn't and you know you're, the baby's being passed around the office and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm good. And they usually come up with the excuse of, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm feeling under the weather. I might, yeah. I might be sick, what have you. And everybody keeps pushing it. Everybody constantly put it like, why don't you want to hold the baby? Why don't you want to hold the baby? Hold the baby? Are they, are they trying to get woman. some weird like immunity for their kid? Why are they passing their kid around so much? What the hell? I think it's I because mean, like you become so in love and obsessed with your own baby that you can't understand why somebody why would not want are to. Are you not also obsessed yeah. with my baby? Like, it's yeah, just, I, I, I guess I get that one because like you get like a new toy or whatever. Yeah. Anything. Like but you like, want to show it off to everybody. My baby. <laughs> Or like, you know, you know, why doesn't everybody love this particular comic book character that I'm obsessed with? Like Azrael's not that cool, Mitch. <laughs> um, but so like so she follows him out after handing the baby to Ralph, and Ralph's just like, Okay, whatever, I'll take the baby. Um and he says the the most poignant thing I think in the whole episode is he says, I don't want to cause the baby harm. Like if I touch the yeah. baby, bad things will happen to the baby. I feel like that's we are where we are getting the guilt and remorse from. And now I feel like that person that Holly met in the graveyard, I feel like he is the one that did the blanket thing. Yeah. That made the bed. And I think he made it outside of the control of Melty Face Man. Now yeah. now that I think about it and I think about the situation, I think that was him breaking from Melty Face Man because I feel like he knew everything that happened to that family and knew it was the result yeah. of this Melty Face Man but didn't do anything about it. Yeah. And that's his guilt. That may be. Uh, and or, now yeah. Grumpy Face Cop's guilt is coming out. Yeah. So he says that to her and then he leaves and then she goes to sleep and has a nightmare of her own in which we're still not clear whether or not it was a nightmare, not a nightmare mm-hmm. or melting my face man comes in and he takes the baby. Yeah. And so now I'm wondering if things, if melty face part of his power or whatever it is, is through contact, almost like a parasite or something like that. And because oh, yeah. she had the contact with grumpy, grumpy cop. cop, cause I'm not going to bother remembering names. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe because of that, then she had this nightmare, and now she's connected to Melty yeah. Face Man. The thing, the thing I thought w- was happening for this one is that that guy specifically said, uh, "Grumpy Cop." He basically expressed that um, the baby and her are important to him. I think this is now going to be used as leverage to get uh, uh, Grumpy yeah. Cop to do more. Because Grumpy Cop didn't have any leverage. He's divorced. He doesn't have yeah. any kids. Like, clearly yeah. doesn't talk to his ex-wife. But doesn't now care he does. about anything. But now Melty Face Man knows that he cares about something. Yep. Yeah. All he did to him before was just hurt him, which is universal. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where I get that when you're near Melty Face Man, this scene too, 
you can't do anything because she had a gun in her hand and she let a hooded man pick up her baby. That's where I get like, you clearly have no control because I would have shot like, (laughs) yeah, if I walk, if I walk, I wouldn't even care uh, if I didn't even know what the situation was, if it was some sort of, I don't know. You're dead. You touch my baby. You're dead. Like <laughs> she, she did want people to touch her baby, though. Yes. Why you hold my baby? She's like, well, but a, a hooded man in the baby? middle of the night. Very different than a baby shower. No. Um, but and again, here was another one. Like she wakes up clearly suspicious of something, goes and gets her gun, but does not wake up her fucking husband who's sleeping right there. Like I'm sorry, she is a cop. Just, no, I don't care. I don't, I don't care. There will be care. multiple witnesses to when and how I shoot yes, somebody. There needs like, to be. Just so you know, don't do it because you think, oh, it, like I'm gonna need help in this situation. Do it because like you're gonna need second set of eyes to be like testifying in court for right. when you kill that. Like, you, you want witnesses to self-defense you want witnesses to self-defense yes. um i mean it, does georgia have the what is it the castle law or the homestead law where you can oh, defend your home yeah I the, wonder. stand your ground yeah they i do believe they do um I'm sure can't it's be positive state, but to. well <laughs> even, even most states actually yeah. even have that in their own homes um you the varying degrees of stand your ground but even then it's a different but, situation because she's a cop though so it is but somebody's broken into your house and if they're standing over your baby and you don't know who they are generally the jury's gonna that would be you. sufficient <laughs> self-defense of the third person and yeah. the third person being the baby okay um all right cool so good to know so she could have shot that guy <laughs> she could have shot the guy but she didn't shoot the guy anyway so then she wakes up in a panic in the morning and the baby is not in the crib and she reasonably loses her mind, come to find out dad had just been a good dad and got the baby up in the morning and was sitting on the front porch with the baby, which was a very yeah, happy ending. Very, very beautiful. I definitely had like a brief moment of like, oh, no, 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 that's that's not OK. Like, you yeah. don't get to just take the baby. I think both happen. You do. OK. You think yeah, it I actually think, did happen? Yeah. I think from what we've seen, people wake up kind of thinking that it was a dream. Uh, but I think I don't. I don't think Melty Face Man really gets to go and like just intrude on people's dreams and then have them remember it and everything. I think he's physically there, but his influence over people is what kind of like he he utilizes to make them like go back to bed, go to sleep, and make them think okay. it's a dream. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So you think he picked the baby up and then let like just walked outside with the baby to show her that he could take the baby and then put the baby back yeah i think th- this is to ha- have this happen so then if at any point in time he wants to point to this as a thing he can do to hurt her or that baby mm-hmm. um that will be something he can point to to try to utilize grumpy cop to the fullest okay that okay. makes sense yeah so then she so we flash from her back to holly at the very end and holly gets a phone call from <clears throat> prince charming Mm-hmm. who's the um, retired uh, Dayton cop. And he's in the hotel bar that for her hotel. Mm-hmm. And he's had a drink, and he wants to know if she wants another, and if she'd like to have one. And she says, well, why don't you just come up here? And then she tells him about the box springs being made, and she tells mm-hmm. him about her previous case and the remorse and all of those things. Um and then she turns him down, but then she wants to just lie together. She doesn't want to be alone, which is fair. I mean, she's just spent the day yeah, searching through graveyards, thinking of very creepy things. Yeah. And he handled yeah. that situation very well, and it was nice and refreshing to see. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, he Prince. Was, he, he was very respectful, which, which I appreciate seeing on screen. Um, so then she wakes up in the morning, and she's getting ready to drive down to Georgia because she doesn't want to fly. Mm-hmm. Because she's she's done with flying, and we see her stuck in traffic, and then we get a chance to see the Saint Louis the cold heard. opening that we heard, um, and we see the man she saw at the graveyard walk up with what we later find out to be an empty firearm, and take somebody hostage, and basically commit suicide by cop. Yeah, which is just, um. And at the same time, we see Prince Charming getting ready to leave the hotel where he finds some of Holly notes where she is dealing with timelines. Mm-hmm. And then we see him researching stuff on the computer. Mm-hmm. 
Like he's doing his own fill in the blanks. Yeah. Um, and Holly's car breaks down. And we don't see her call. She calls somebody, but we don't we don't find out who. Mm-hmm. And then we close. Well, we close with Ralph. With Ralph. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So then we flash back to Ralph. Um, Ralph is talking with Grumpy Cop on the stairs. Yeah. And of his house, because Grumpy Cop has come to apologize for blowing up at the baby shower at Ralph. Mm-hmm. And he asks Ralph for an opportunity to help with the Maitland investigation. Do you, now, do you guys think this is uh, in any way, shape, or form at the behest of Melty Face Man? Yeah. So that was going to be part of my question in I, terms of our <laughs> predictions going forward, because clearly we have Holly stranded on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Is she going to call Prince Charming? And does Jake tell Ralph everything that's happened? Or does he operate as an agent for Melty Face Man in this investigation? I feel like agent for Melty Face Man is my go. But okay. Does Holly call Prince Charming? Uh, baby. That one I'm not crazy for sure on because Holly is probably the hardest character to fully understand. Okay. Okay. Like like the things she does doesn't always match what Makes I think sense. that character would do. Yeah. Okay. Steven? I, I agree. Okay. I concur. You can <laughs> So I I think it's going to be a 50-50 with Jake. I think when Jake can break away, he's going to give Ralph as much information as he can, yeah. even though he feels slightly crazy. Um, But I think he is there at the behest of Melty Face Man. Yeah. And, and I think we're going to see that warring inside, and I think we're going to see Ralph starting to put the pieces together in terms of... Melty Faces Man's control over Grumpy Cop. Yeah, I do. I do kind of agree with you. I think Melty Face Man is going to start making a lot of mistakes. And I think one of his mistakes right now is thinking that Grumpy Cop is the best sort of lure or spy. I think Grumpy Cop's going to be a bit more resistant to him than he thinks. Than he thinks. Yeah. 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 That, uh, that guy has, he has a lot of passion, a lot of fire. And yeah. I don't think he wants to subject himself to anyone trying to assert themselves over him. But I think he will lose in the end. I do, yeah. oh, I do yeah. think he will lose in the end. And I do think Holly's going to call Prince Charming. And I think Prince Charming's going to come down and join the investigation. I'm hoping so. I think that's what's going to happen because I think he's very curious at this point and he's clearly interested, not just in Holly, but also in what's going on. Well, he used to be a detective too, so. Yeah. And I am curious to hear what his backstory is. I really um, want to know. Yeah. Did did he find out corruption within the police force and then they fired him or did he choose to be choose to leave the force because of corruption or something? Well, or to me, the other thought was, you know, something happened and he realized he couldn't do his job anymore. And this is his way of kind of getting yeah. back into the feel of things and like mm-hmm. regaining his control. Yeah. Because um, my my whole dealing with the situation, like at least at first when I first read him was he's the prince type, but I felt like he was like the... Uh, wolf in sheep's clothing prince was my worry but then mm-hmm. this latest episode has made me think oh no he legit is the prince type and he he is what he says he is the way he yeah. handles holly i'm like oh, okay no maybe he actually is that good side character that's going to end up coming through in the end and helping out within the situation you see to me he plays kind of a dichotomy to ralph yeah Um, in that I, in, which is why I think that maybe something very tragic happened in his personal life. Mm -hmm. And instead of pulling it together, instead of, you know, making kind of the mistakes Ralph did where he let it influence his job as a detective, he just Mm -hmm. decided to walk away from the job entirely, deciding he couldn't do it well. And that's how he learned how to heal. So, um, all right. Oh, uh, one of the scenes that we did, I, missed because i can't remember where on earth it was placed it was somewhere in the middle but we get the owner of the strip club oh yeah having a slow motion flashback to terry maitland the night terry maitland came in and what i noticed in the flashback and i don't know if anybody else noticed but it looks like terry maitland has a mustache in that flashback which I did not notice that but it was a pretty quick flash of him so yeah. i don't know so i don't know if that's just because Melty Face Man is starting to get into his head, or what's going it on? Was all, 
it was it was like the it was Batman versus Superman kind of situation. There's um Jason Bateman, he's out filming Mission Impossible and he's got a mustache for the role and they couldn't shave it off and it's supposed to be taken out in post, but they didn't. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, I got you. So it's just editing probably. So, so yeah. an editing issue that I picked up on is some sort of important something, and I'm gonna just yeah. it's never gonna come up again. <laughs> yeah, J- J- Jason Bateman has a mustache right now. This is the Starbucks cup on the Game of Thrones episode. Got yeah. it. Got it. Hundred <laughs> percent. That makes sense. But anyway, so he has a flashback to Terry the night with Terry Maitland, and it clearly makes him uneasy. And again. He doesn't tell any. What is with people not telling each other shit? Like, I get that, it. It makes you feel like you're crazy. Me nuts in any any show that I watch and any any book I read. That like, just how many situations are solved if you just freaking talk to each other? Like, just talk to each other. Well, and I'm the, sorry, but like, go ahead, Steven. Captain America and Iron Man. Like, just talk to each other. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I, I think you're fine. Um, I, I think they should talk. The, yeah. the one thing I'll give this series over other ones is that's usually a thing that I have a problem with. The other thing I usually have a problem with is that most issues are solved by having smartphones. But we've seen, um, we've seen what Holly. Yes. Holly? Yeah. I forget the name. Um, we've seen her just take pictures of things with her smartphone, and so you know, I'm fine. I'll forgive anything else they decide to do. <laughs> yeah, but they do have smartphones but we still have not seen social media and that was one of those things that we were talking about is yeah being... last last week we talked about how like how some of these situations could easily be solved if we had if they had social media and we weren't we couldn't quite remember like where their technology had seemed to be but now we have like holly has a cell phone that seems like fairly close yeah. to our generations of cell phones but whether or not they have social media we don't know yet so that'll be that'll be interesting um but anyway, any other predictions? What are we going to see in the coming episode? Who's going to die? Because <laughs> I definitely feel like people have to start dying yeah. again. Yeah. I mean, the ending of this episode was Ralph's son, a vision of Ralph's son being like, you need to get over me. And I'd be like, dude, parents don't get over that crap. <laughs> like, But especially when it's an only child. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think it's definitely going to be probably the next episode is going to be Ralph really struggling with the paranormal aspect of what's going on. I think he is going to realize it and he's going to fight it. I'm hoping it won't be that stereotypical, but I feel like that is where it's going to go is that he's going to fight with it until there's no other option other than clearly if the possible options are here, then it's going to have to be the impossible paranormal option. How do you think Howie's going to take what Holly has to say? No. Is he just going to completely blow it off? Is he going to stop funding it? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. that, that seems like a logical off-ramp for that character to me. Okay. Yeah. What about Prince Charming? Is Holly going to clue him in? Is he going to believe her? Is he going to buy it? Is he not? I, I think he'll, he won't believe it at first, then he will. Uh, and then he'll be along for the ride, full stop, until he gets killed. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I was thinking th- that I do think too, Prince Charming's going to die. Yeah. I'm really sad about it. I think Prince Charming and Grumpy Cop are going to die. Yeah. yeah. And pl- especially knowing more Prince that- Charming, though. Stop killing him off. <laughs> 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 um, so what about Glory, Gloria and Jeannie? Are they going to start Is- to believe it? Is her name Gloria? Has that been what her name has been this whole time? I'm pretty sure. Because everyone always calls her Glory, and I'm like, this dumb name. Everybody calls her Glory. I assume I it's like short for Gloria. Gloria. Yeah. But <laughs> that's Gloria, the assumption Gloria, I've made. <laughs> Just based on God, where I we're located. <laughs> Just based on where we're located. I, I, I'm going to go with her name is Gloria, and she goes by Glory for short. Uh, that's, yeah, that, that's my assumption. Yeah. Um, particularly okay. with children named like jessa like yep. but anyway um do you think they're i mean clearly genie already feels like something weird is going on like, yeah i feel like genie might be the one to help push ralph to help okay. holly okay so and what about what about glory gloria is she gonna believe it is she gonna buy in is she gonna be like you all are crazy like this is just a way to you know pin it on Terry again hmm. or yeah. is she going to start to think okay maybe there's something here 
Yeah, maybe. Stephen, are you raising your hand? No, you're just holding under your chair. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think um, she, she'll latch onto it once it beca- there's more evidence and everything because it'll be a way to have it be absolved from Terry. Okay. Okay. Any other predictions? What's gonna? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Are we excited for episode six? Are we kind of just I've not been excited for any of this? Oh, <laughs> okay. No, no okay. it's just Stephen King's just not my writing style. I, I'm enjoying yeah. as I watch it, but it's not something like if it wasn't for Geeks Watch, I would not be watching it. Okay. Same. <laughs> I'm I'm so so done with Stephen King, and this is even a best case scenario for Stephen King. This is yeah. much better than the other. Stephen yeah, King it stuff. actually is, and that's what I'm like. Okay, I I don't hate that I'm watching it. Like I do enjoy it. I like how it's filmed. I like the music of it. But it's just, it's really just not my cup of tea. So now here's uh-huh. here's my next question. Because Watchmen, we really liked watching week to week. But as we talked about with the Amazon show before that, um, the name is escaping me. The one with Orlando Bloom. Oh, what is it? I can, uh, it's um, <laughs> Carnival Row. Carnival Row. Yeah. When we talked about that, we talked about how that it was probably better to binge that one because the writing was so bad because of the way the storyline was built that it probably would have been more enjoyable binged versus week to week where we could really kind of see the writing flaws Mm -hmm. and the storyline flaws. Do you think this is one of those kinds of shows where it's probably better if they had released it all at once Mm. and you were able to binge it? No, no. I think you can binge this. I think this is a week to week. It's just not a week to week that I enjoy. Fair. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that that'd be it. Really, is that I just would never choose to watch this outside of being told, "Hey, we're yeah. gonna watch this." <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like, okay. 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 I couldn't agree more. Like, it, it's not. I don't think it would work as a binging show because of how spaced out it is. I think yeah. it's very much intended to be taken and digested this way. Mm-hmm. But it's just not my TV show. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Like even even Orphan Black, which I liked a lot. Uh-huh. Uh A couple of the later seasons, like. It wouldn't have been made better by being bingeable or anything. It's just, it was just slow. Mm, okay. Just curious. But all right. If you have anything you'd like to add to the conversation, please feel free to reach out to us. We always like to have your take on it. Jessica, where can people find you online? You guys can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. And Steven? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Peppermint Gent and Peppermint Gentleman across all other social networks. All right, and you can reach me through the Geek Elite Media Network on Twitter at Geek Elite Media. It's also at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Feel free to email us at geeks at geekelitemedia.com and check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts from our network on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is Geeks Watch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.